Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. The title of my message uh, this afternoon is called Self-Denial, the Cornerstone of Our Spiritual Formation. So if you're taking notes, you want to write that down at the top of your notes. Self-Denial, the Cornerstone of Our Spiritual Formation. Let me say this before I begin. I believe that this is one of the most important messages that I have ever preached since the inception of my ministry some 38 years ago. Not only that, but I also believe that this is one of the most important messages when it comes to foundational teachings concerning discipleship and following the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to say that this message was birthed out of my own experiences with the cross of Christ. We're going to be mentioning quite a few times the cross, the power of the cross, the meaning of the cross, and what it means for us to take up the cross and follow Christ as he had commanded us to do. And to lay a foundation on this very important message, I would like to read from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, from chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, these very words of our Lord Jesus Christ laid the foundation and the cornerstone of true discipleship and spiritual formation. There can be no spiritual growth or development of any kind when it comes to mental or spiritual development without self-denial. Any believer endeavoring to bypass this foundational principle, I believe, is just plain church, that he's not serious with his commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A pastor friend recently asked us a challenging question in one of his messages when I have invited him to minister at our Greek fellowship two weeks ago. Here is the question he asked, and I'm asking you that same question today, because I've had to ask myself the very same question. Here is the question he asked all of us. He said, How far? Do you want to go with God? 
how far do you want to go with God? Now, if you were asked that same question like I'm asking you today, what would your answer be? Think about that for a moment. How far do you really want to go with God? Well, as I pondered, meditated, and thought about that question, I was led to the following conclusion. How far I want to go with God will depend on the cost I'm willing to pay and the sacrifices I am willing to make. I want to repeat that because this is a very important statement. How far you want to go with God will solely depend on the cost you are willing to pay and the sacrifices you are willing to make for Jesus' sake and the gospel. What do we mean by that? Well, if you've been a student of the Bible any time and you walked with the Lord any length of time, you will realize that the further we go with God, the greater our cost would be to ourselves. The further we go with God, the more we would have to lose of ourselves. According to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, a very well-known verse, Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters. We will either hate the one and love the other, or we will be loyal to the one and despise the other. That means we will either serve God with all of our hearts, or we will serve ourselves by pursuing our own dreams, our own plans, and our own way of living. Many years ago, in a time of severe crisis, I was having a severe crisis in my relationships. In my relationship with the Lord Jesus, I lost the peace I received when I got born again. Crisis in my relationship with my wife, my in-laws, and those around me. And I was going through a severe, severe crisis. And during that time, God began to introduce me to the power of the cross of Christ. And he spoke to my heart loud and clear and pointed me to the cross. Receiving then the revelation of self-denial through the power of the cross, I recall that day as it was yesterday, and this is probably over 40 years ago, I drew the picture of the cross in the empty pages of my Bible, and beneath it I wrote the following words. You cannot serve God and self. Self must die. God was beginning to introduce me to the principle of self-denial and to the power of the cross of Christ. In fact, in one of those encounters I had with the Lord, I recall these very words that were spoken to my heart by the Holy Spirit. He said the following, Son, 
if you would lay down your life to serve and to please others, I will come and fill you with my spirit, and every soul that your foot, every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, that I have given unto you. Those words continue to remain as fresh as the day the Lord had spoken them to me. So the message I am proclaiming to you today is one that came out of my own experiences plus the deep study of the Word of God centered around the message of the cross. Every step of obedience we take towards God and His purposes, there is an appropriate cost to ourselves. Therefore, self-denial becomes the cornerstone upon which we build our relationship with Christ. I'm going to say that again because that's very important. Self-denial becomes the cornerstone upon which we build our relationship with Christ. And Jesus made it clear that without self-denial, no one can follow him or become his disciple. The greater and the broader our self-denial is, the further we will go with God. Christ's conditions for discipleship are very, very clear. It leaves no room for anyone to doubt. Not only are we called to deny ourselves and take up our cross, but also be willing to deny close family members and relatives if the need arises in following Christ and being obedient to Him and Him alone. In other words, if we have to choose between father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, he comes first because he's Lord. Let's take another look at his words he gave to all those who followed him. You know, the Bible says that multitudes followed Jesus, but one thing about the Lord, he was never impressed with the crowds. In fact, whenever crowds gathered around him, he would communicate such words that he would disperse the crowds because he was interested not in crowds, but he was interested in genuine disciples who were willing to lay down their life and everything in order to follow him. These are the words that are written in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 25, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, When you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, and it will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you will pay to be considered one of my followers. Anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. So don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. 
salt is good for seasoning. But if salt were to lose its flavor, how could it ever be restored? It will never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourselves. We see here the conditions for discipleship are very, very clear. We conclude, therefore, that self-denial and the death of our own way of life as we know become the very things that maintain our saltiness and cause our light to shine brightly in this darkened world. Without self-denial, without taking up the cross, without being obedient to the Lord, we lose our saltiness and we lose our light. The disciples' fruitfulness. Now listen carefully. If you want to become a fruitful disciple, this is the path that you and I must walk in. There is no alternative. The disciples' fruitfulness is dependent upon his own death. Are you listening to me? I want you to hear this very, very clear. I want to see your hand raised that you're getting this message clear. Thank you. The disciple's fruitfulness is dependent upon his own death. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel according to St. John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25. Most assuredly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, Christ's obedience unto death brought about much fruit as well as the establishment of God's kingdom on the earth. There was no other way. Jesus had to die. He was born to die. For this cause came I into the world, he said. His death gave us life and even more abundant. Our rebirth was the result of Jesus' obedience to the Father even unto the death of the cross. If Jesus didn't go to the cross, you and I would not be here today. The same, listen, the same must be our own experience if we desire to walk with God and bear much fruit in the kingdom of our God. Every single one of us is like a grain of wheat you are a grain of wheat, I am a grain of wheat, that must fall into the ground where God has planted us. Not where we want to go, not where we want to be, but where God has placed and planted us. We must fall into the ground there where he planted us and die before we can bear fruit in the kingdom of our God. What do I mean die? die to our own opinions, die to our own rights and privileges, our right to be angry, 
our right not to forgive, our right to be offended, give up that, deny that, deny, die to our dreams, to our own ambitions, our own plans, our own goals, our own pursuits. I take as an example my own life. I don't know much about your life. I know a little, but I can talk to you about my own experiences, and I'd like to do that, bring it into my message so that I make it as clear as I can. Before I came to Christ, before I was born again, I had my own dreams. I had my own expectations from my own life. I had my own hopes for the future, my own thoughts concerning how I should live my life. But when I heard the call of God, and it came very clear for my life and for my future, I had to deny my own dreams. I had to deny my own expectations for my future so that I could follow the Lord where He would lead me. That means I had to die to my own dreams, my own desires, my own pursuits. And in the death of my dreams, something wonderful took place. I discovered and embraced God's dream for my life, which was far greater far better than any dream I could ever dream for myself. So in denying myself the right to choose my own path, I found true life in Christ. The same would happen to you, and I'm sure some of you have experienced that already, and walking in that dream that God has for you. I found a life filled with spiritual adventures, which the Lord had already prepared for me before I was even born, before I even got onto the earth. There was a plan, there was a dream from God's heart for my life, how I should live my life. But I would have never discovered that unless I was willing to give up my own dreams. Now, these spiritual adventures of faith and obedience to the will of God brought much fruit in the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that? Through my own sacrifice or my own death, many came to repentance and faith through the ministry the Lord Jesus commissioned me into. And many more are built up and strengthened and encouraged in the walk with God. And you are part of that group of people through the teaching that this ministry provides on an ongoing basis. But listen to this, the most fruitful work, though, that this ministry has produced through my own death are the spiritual sons and daughters the Lord has blessed this ministry with. These sons and daughters came out of my own dying to self, or else you would not have been brought into the kingdom. I had to die to my own expectations, opinions, dreams, so that others could find life. Well, I believe that the relationships that are birthed, strengthened, and established through this ministry and through the word that this ministry delivers is the greatest treasure the Lord has blessed me with. I take joy in my relationships that I have with you all. 
As Paul said once to the Philippians, you are my crown and my joy. Many years ago, when I took my first steps of obedience and faith in this ministry, God gave me a promise. And that promise was taken from Isaiah chapter 45, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Lord promised me. He said, that was 42 years ago. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron, and I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. When I asked the Lord, what are those treasures of darkness that you're talking about? I didn't understand that. He said, these treasures hidden in darkness are the souls of men and women that I will give to you as a reward, as the fruit of your ministry. And sure enough, it came to pass. Praise God forevermore. As I have mentioned earlier, <clears throat> that every step of obedience we take, there is an appropriate cost to ourselves. I will give you another example from my own journey of faith. Probably you've heard me say this before. When my father heard that I was born again, he sent me an ultimatum. He said, renounce this newfound religion that you found and return to orthodoxy where you came from or I will renounce you from being my son. Imagine receiving an ultimatum in a letter from your own father. What would you do? I know in the Greek community we face such persecution from our own family members. But in the South African community that I have lived and worked for many years, you, you do not face such uh, persecution or resistance uh, as far as I could see from your own family members. It was a tough, it was a painful decision I was confronted with. But the words of Jesus were very clear in my mind. I knew what Jesus said. And we've read that portion of Scripture in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, if the need arises for my sake. And so my answer to my dad was very clear and precise. I wrote back, because we didn't have modern technology that we have today, and I said, I cannot and will not deny the Lord Jesus, even though I love and respect you as my father. In this matter, I cannot do as you asked me to, because in Christ I have found true forgiveness and peace salvation, and I will never deny the Lord. Well, the relationship was, wasn't good and for many months. But several years after, both my parents visited us in Zimbabwe and spent a few days with us. And I recall not only that, but my dad attended one of my evangelistic meetings I held in Masvingo, and in that meeting, I recall, he gave his heart to the Lord many years ago. 
let me say this. True disciples of the Lord will continue to walk every single day in self-denial and even in the shadow of their own death. The psalmist describes this so well in Psalm 23 and verse 4 when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. How beautifully the psalmist describes this. Out of death we find true life that is filled with the presence of the Lord by which we become a blessing to our fellow men. The process of death is always carried out through our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if that obedience will take us to our own death. When Jesus said to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, you recall, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He sealed his own death. And we face with decisions every single day to yield to God or not to yield to God to yield to the Holy Spirit within us, or to yield to our own sinful nature. And that's when we need to rise up in the power of the Spirit and say no to self, no to the flesh, yes to the Lord Jesus. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I deny my right to be angry. I deny my right to not forgive. I, I, I deny my right to be offended. I deny my right to complain about things. And that's when we need to rise up in the power of the Spirit and crucify the flesh, as the Apostle Paul says. Our steps of obedience, day by day, lead us to our own death. And through our death, Christ is able to live his resurrected life through us. The Apostle Paul describes this process so beautifully and candidly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 through to 12. Memorize these verses of Scripture. Meditate on them. They will help you. Listen to what he says. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always, notice the word always, every day, delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. You see, take a closer look at what Paul said. This is, where, <laughs> this is where we exercise dying to self. For we who live are always, he says, delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Christ, the resurrected life of Christ that is within us, may find expression and release through this mortal body and be a blessing to humanity. In other words, what he's saying, our life in exchange for Christ's resurrected life. 
Isn't that a good deal? And we have a song sometimes that says, you remember, more of you, Lord, and less of me. But I think we should rather say all of you, Lord, and none of me. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Are you still out there? I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul said the same thing again to the Romans. Romans 8.36 says, For your sake, talking about the Lord's sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Did you see that? Did you hear that? He's saying the same thing. The resurrected life of Christ cannot and will not manifest in this mortal body if we are unwilling to die to self. Taking up our cross daily, following Jesus, is the way by which we deliver ourselves to the death of the cross. You see, the, the cross is a symbol of death. For the disciple of Christ, though, the cross becomes an instrument of freedom from the tyranny of self and selfishness and from the passions and the desires of our sinful flesh. It's the instrument of deliverance through death. You see, Jesus didn't come to patch up the old man. He came to kill it altogether and in his place, resurrect a new man. Jesus didn't come to make you a better person. He came to kill you. Hello? There's nothing good, Paul says, in my flesh. Dwells no good thing. It is altogether corrupt in its very nature. You see, the blood of Jesus deals with our sins. But the cross of Christ deals with the sin nature. It delivers the ultimate blow of death and sets us free. That's why the Word of God says, He that is dead is dead to sin. Amen. Paul writing to the church in Galatia says, And those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. So the message of the cross is the power of God to deal with the old man, with its corrupt nature, its passions, its lusts, and its desires. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. How? Through the message of the cross. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. How? Through the message of the cross. So the message of the cross, the message that I'm preaching to you today is the power of God which has delivered the ultimate blow of death to the selfishness of mankind. There is no other remedy. You cannot reform the old man. 
You cannot instruct the old man. You can only put him to death. The old man with its passions and lusts must die and make room for the birth of the new man in Christ who is created in the image and in the likeness of God. You see, the message of the cross once understood and received, I believe, creates the new wineskin in which God pours out the new wine of the kingdom. That's why Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins. It's impossible. Both will be ruined and wasted. The new wine must be put into new wineskins. And the cross in the, is the only instrument that will put to death the old and in its place create the new wineskin. We must also experience and go through our own Gethsemane, where our own will learns to bend and to bow and yield to the will of God, not just once, but every single day. The increase of God's presence in our life, folks, becomes a living experience through the death of our mortal flesh. And this kind of exercise we're speaking about becomes impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. Man cannot crucify man. You cannot kill yourself. It takes a higher power to subdue the flesh. And one of the main reasons the Holy Spirit was given to us was to strengthen and empower our inner man, the new man on the inside, the hidden man of the heart, so that he can rise up in the power of the Spirit and crucify the deeds of the body. Romans 8, verse 12 and 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, speaking of spiritual death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live in the presence of God. So our fellowship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit enables us to rise up in the power of the Spirit and successfully subdue the flesh and make it obey the will of God. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27. He said, listen to what he said, But I, I, he's talking about his inner man, the new man, the hidden man of the heart, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. God is not going to do that for you and I. We are the ones that are going to bring the outward man into subjection. The word says, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Not God, they that are Christ's. And Paul says the same thing here. I, he says, keep under my body. I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You see, the old man has the tendency to want to rise again. Amen. All of a sudden, you think you, you've arrived, and all of a sudden, there he creeps up. And he gets all uptight and all upset and angry and complaining and murmuring and, and being offended and and on and on and on. 
that's when we need to rise up and silence him and say, no, you're not going to have your way. You're going to obey God. You can train your body, your flesh, like we train our dogs. After a while, he will learn to submit. To keep under means to subdue. It means to crucify or to deny. And this is an ongoing daily exercise. Listen, as long as self-will is allowed to have his own way, sin will reign supreme in the life of the believer. Regardless whether you're born again, you're filled with the Spirit, if your self-will is allowed to have a free reign, sin will reign supreme in your life. Because the root and the strength of all sin is selfishness. Maybe sin has lost its meaning today, but selfishness has not. Amen? So denying ourselves, taking up the cross, sin will no longer have dominion over us. As the Apostle Peter said, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Therefore, in conclusion, by denying, subduing, crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires, the Word of God says we become sanctified vessels, set apart for God, and prepared for every good work. You know, when... Andrew, the Apostle Andrew, the disciple of Christ. I read his, his biography in, uh, in, in, in um, one of the, uh, the books. And when he was threatened by the Roman ruler that he would die the death of the cross because he was preaching Christ, the Apostle Andrew responded with these amazing words. Listen to what he said. I would not have preached the honor and glory of the cross if I feared the death of the cross. And thereby he was condemned to be crucified because he was taking away the religion of the Roman gods. And while en route to the place of his execution, seeing the cross waiting for him, he never changed his expression nor did he stumble in his words, and with his bold faith maintained, he said the following words, O cross, most welcome and longed for, with a willing mind, joyfully and desirously, I come to you, being the scholar of him which did hang on you, because I have always been your lover and yearn to embrace you. Just think about that. And after those words, they crucified him on a cross that had the sign of an X. And he died embracing that cross by which he lived. Folks, this is a deep subject, one that we are faced with every day in our home, 
in our relationship with our spouses, when conflict arises, in our relationships at work, in our interaction with our fellow men, with colleagues, with church members. Remember, in our death, others will live. And if you want to become a fruitful disciple, one that will bear much fruit, because every single one of us as a disciple of Christ is expected to bring fruit, to reproduce after our kind. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to us. May we keep that word alive in our hearts and in our minds as we go about our daily work and our daily activities where the Lord has planted us. Let's pray as we conclude our session today. I'm going to continue the second part of this message, and I'm going to teach on the tools, on the, on the spiritual disciplines that God has given us in order to strengthen and fortify the inward man so that he can rise up strong and powerful in the spirit and subdue the old man, the deeds of the body. We will talk further about this next Sunday. Father, we thank you so much for the message of the cross. And Lord, I believe that this message should be preached in every pulpit, in every church. We should proclaim it from the rooftops because the message of the cross is the power of God that will save, that will heal, that will deliver us from our selfishness and from the human, Lord, rottenness. We pray, Father, that the revelation of the cross of Christ would be made clearer and brighter to each and every one of us, that we would embrace it, that we would walk in it and grow in the understanding of denying ourselves and following you in obedience to your holy word. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.